Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. I have personally worked with a few professionals that have a vast amount of military experience, but they're looking to get into the corporate public space. And one of the struggles that they've had is talking about their transferable skills in order to position themselves as a great candidate for the roles that they are applying for and trying to get. However, I have personally never been in the military. So although I do my best to help these professionals out and they have been successful in getting interviews for corporate positions, I thought it would be good for my listeners for me to invite someone that has actually been in the military and successfully pivot out of it into a corporate role. And that leads me to my introduction of my guest for this episode, Joshua David Elliott, or J.D. Elliott. He is a Naval Academy grad, martial artist, and accidental sheep dad, and is well known for being the guy with three first names. He spent five successful years as a surface warfare officer before starting a myriad of businesses and enjoying the pseudo-retired lifestyle. After immense boredom sat in, he began to help his fellow shipmates make the transition to corporate by joining Lucas Group, a corn ferry company. His podcast, The Military to Corporate Survival Guide, quickly climbed the charts to be among the best resources for active duty military and veterans ready to make the transition to corporate. Now let's get into my discussion with J.D. Elliott on how to successfully transition from the military to corporate. Hey, JD, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Truly appreciate it. It's a President's Day today, right? Yeah, good old President's Day here in the USA. And uh, what, what do they usually do there as like celebration? Is it like a parade or? Well, I mean, honestly, we've, we're kind of a consumeristic society, so I'm sure there's some sales going around, some dealerships. So if you want a new Honda, hey, there you go. It's actually good timing because we wanted to discuss uh, how military members are able to transition effectively to corporate. Because I've spoken to a handful of professionals that have a military experience, but they have a struggle in terms of how to present their skills in the military into a corporate setting to help them pivot successfully. And I know from us talking offline that you have a military background yourself before you pivoted into entrepreneurship and then your current role as a headhunter. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your military experience and how you were able to pivot to corporate successfully? Sure. So first, I went to the United States Naval Academy, and uh, I majored in Mandarin Chinese over there. Naval Academy, Mandarin Chinese, wanted to go to Japan and just be in that side of the world because I used to live in, uh, I spent some time in Beijing just living over there. Loved it. And I was told, hey, thanks, but no thanks. You're going to get assigned to a ship out of Jacksonville, Florida. Like, okay. So I was aboard the USS Iwo Jima, which is an amphibious uh, assault vehicle. Just think about Uber for the Marine Corps. That's what we were. So I was the assistant electrical officer. Then I was the assistant navigator aboard that ship, did a couple humanitarian missions, finished up a deployment over there. And then from there, I pre-commed the USS Polygnatius, which is a destroyer that is going to be based out of Rota, Spain, if it's not already. So I did the navigator tour aboard there. I was constantly ranked number one. And I was considering going to Harvard Business School. I had my application in for there. And the Navy had this uh, program where they would pay for you to go. And I decided that instead of continuing with the Navy, I was going to make the transition out. 
And I did a bunch of entrepreneurial things. I live in the DC area, got a bunch of land, some storage units here. But ultimately I decided that what I wanted to do was help people who were in the same position I was in several years prior, which led me towards uh, placing people in the corporate world, uh, Fortune 500 companies, and helping them make that transition. Does that answer your question? Yeah. So what were some challenges in your personal life from pivoting from the military to uh, entrepreneurship? That's a good question. Number one, in the military, there is an element of believing the hype about yourself. And you have to do that. From a psychological perspective, the amount of hours you work, the life you live, you have to believe that you're doing an extremely good job and that you're among the top of the top. And the truth is, to a, matter, to, to a certain perspective, like um, you are. However, during the transition to the civilian world, you have to understand that people, it's, it's not that they don't care about your experience, but they cannot relate to you. If you wanted to, um, you know, you speak different languages, essentially. You cannot talk with someone about, say, deployments to the Middle East, Djibouti, Afghanistan, Iraq. You can't talk about firefights. You can't talk about doing humanitarian missions, like seeing kids that you know are going to die if no one helps them with people who haven't had that experience. And you cannot, and on the same line, you cannot blame people for not relating with you. Because those are experiences that people will not understand unless they have been through it themselves. So the number one struggle that I had was I, I thought that people just didn't get it. And they don't. I thought people didn't care. And it's not that they didn't care. It's just that they couldn't care. Uh, another struggle I had was the idea that it's okay if I mess up. Because in the entrepreneurial world, for example, or in the corporate, whatever, whatever's going on, you learn through failure. You get so much more data from failure than you do from success. However, in the military, if you fail, there's a chance someone's going to die. You know, you're in, a, you're in a firefight. Boom. You better get that fire out. If you don't, property is going to be damaged. The mission is going to get hurt. You might be delayed on deployment, but that family that just got reunited together, they might be separated again because their ship is going on deployment because yours you know, got on fire. There's real world consequences in the military that just don't exist in the civilian world. To summarize that, another struggle would be just letting things go, being easier on yourself, having grace for yourself, and realizing for most things, if you fail, you're not going to die, and your shipmates are not going to die, and it's going to be okay. That's a good point because a, a lot of professionals have that perfectionism and like they're worried they're going to fail. But like you said, in the corporate world, like you're, you're not going to die if something doesn't work out. It's just you just got to try again, right? Absolutely. And going to the other side, what were some of the positive experiences that you've had in the military that made you a more effective like entrepreneur or in your current role as a headhunter? You know, entrepreneurship is like it's, it's like getting punched in the face over and over again. And the question is, are you going to get back up? The question is not, are you going to con continuously get punched? The question is, are you going to get back up? Because it's going to come and it, you're drinking through a fire hose. And this is true on anything. You start up a new job, you're drinking through a fire hose. 
So one of the biggest value adds from the military is the ability to grind endlessly to get punched over and over again and still get back up and fight another day. That makes sense. In terms of your career as a headhunter, you've, you say you, you work with a lot of military professionals that are trying to pivot into corporate, right? Yes, that is my specialty. Okay, that's your specialty. So what are some of the common like, challenges or fears that these military members have when they're trying to get into corporate? A lot of military guys, they, they need help with their resumes, with LinkedIn, which I know those are a couple of services that you provide going through your website. They need someone to help translate their skill sets a little bit and also to walk them through the changes in language that are necessary. And what I mean by that is a normal conversation with someone in the military is not going to be how we're talking right now. There's going to be a lot more explicitives in there, a lot more dark humor. And that's just not okay in the real world, in the civilian world. A lot of people need help, like I said. Communication, resumes, LinkedIn. All right. So what are some resumes that you've seen that they did themselves that didn't really translate from a language perspective in the corporate world? Like, do they say like, uh, let a platoon at this deployment? Uh, is it very like military language focused and they're not translating the skills into a corporate setting? I think that's fair. The, the fact is, is you don't know what you don't know. And this is why I think there's actually a lot of value in going to and talking with someone such as yourself who does this as a service, because you can communicate, you can go back and forth. Because the, the thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, but you never were in the military before, right? No. So if I write something and it's confusing to you, it's going to be confusing to the hiring manager. Is that fair? Yes. So therefore, it would be a good investment, really, to make sure that somebody that is a civilian understands what I'm saying if, if I want to get this job, because their understanding of your translation of the skill sets can help negotiate for the higher salary range that I, I'm looking at. So let's say I'm looking at a job and I know that I can get this guy between 90 and 110K. If the people understand the value that you bring to the table, I can get closer to that 110K. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like I've worked with clients that have corporate experience, but they're also in the military. But then some professionals I work with, it's just straight military experience. There's no like corporate relevant work experience. So, so do you find it harder for them to get through when it comes to applying online? Do you think like networking is a, a better a way to go about it? Uh, what's your thoughts on like trying to enter the door in the corporate world? So like, let's say someone wants to get into like project management or marketing, but it's all like military experience that doesn't have a lot of marketing S words or responsibilities. So how would someone write a resume that's in the military that translates those skills so they can get in the door effectively? That's a good question. So I would say, honestly, it comes down to understanding what you're good at and understanding what you don't have skills in yet. What a lot of military members are good at is project management, is management in general, taking a lot of things, taking 50 pounds of work and putting into a five pound bag. That's what military members are good at. You're, you're not going to be able to translate those words into a marketing way per se, unless you have a job, an MOS, your, your specialty is in that public relations that arena. The best thing that someone can do is honestly go through a headhunting agency if they're military. And the reason I'm saying that is not because I do headhunting and I link people up. The reason for it is because there are a lot of jobs on LinkedIn that are just fake. There are a lot of scammers out there who take your info 
I'm not saying all of them are that way. There are a lot of good jobs, but there are a lot of fake ones out there as well. And HR, you've got to understand their job is not just hiring. So if HR is going to be, put yourself in their perspective. Let's say you get 500 applications that come in from LinkedIn. So what happens and what I see over and over, I got these amazing nuclear engineers who have put in applications to dozens of companies and haven't heard back once yet, whereas I reach out to them and I'm able to get them an interview because I have a relationship with that company. So let's go back to what you said about networking. Let's define networking first. I define networking as seeking to add value to someone without expecting something in return. A lot of people view networking as going to these events where you're all looking for something from someone. And a bonus tip for all the listeners out there, you want the best networking events, do not go to a networking event. Go to a volunteer organization because that is where the wealthy-minded hang out. They're volunteering their time. You talk with each other. And then that's where connections start to form and where people are like, oh, I, know, I have a friend in this area. Let me call them up. And your chances of success skyrocket. So that tip alone is worth the time invested in this podcast. But military members, a lot of them, do not have a lot of time to network. So if you are going to network, which can be valuable, going back to it, I would choose organizations that mean a lot to you and volunteer your time there. or see what organizations attract the people who work at places that you want to work at. Because then you'll be able to be around them. You'll be able to notice their language patterns. Let's go back to your resume. I'm thinking in real time right now. And then you'd be able to write your resume in accordance with how they think and how they talk. Because everything is language and communications. I always tell professionals, or even when I work with professionals on the resume, is to give me a few job ads or look at a few job ads and see how they write their job descriptions and then translate your experience into that language so you can connect the dots. Would that be similar to how you would approach it in terms of like simplifying and connecting language? I think that's a really good way to put it because you got to understand the logic flows behind it. Somebody's writing that job ad. So if you use somebody's it, it, sales, for example, if somebody is trying to sell you something. If they're a good sales salesman, saleswoman, they're going to listen to what you say and they're going to repeat those words back to you if they're good because they'll know what's important to you. So that advice you give is worth its weight in gold. From an educational standpoint, do you talk to like military members and they say, should I go back to school and get my like MBA just to have more of that corporate education? Or do you think it's not necessary or it depends on what you want to do? That is one of the most common questions I get actually. And it really comes down to what they want to do. From a salary perspective, right, right now it's a hot job environment. Right now, it really doesn't matter. And when, when I'm looking at MBAs, for example, unless it's Harvard, Yale, Princeton, I, sorry, I, I just, I don't advertise you as having an MBA. I advertise your military experience because there's a lot of MBAs that are more, they're just not worth it. That's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, like there's a lot of like debate on like if MBAs are worth it, and you from what I can tell right now, the ROI isn't worth it. Depending on what you want to do, right? Yeah, let's talk ROI real quick. So I I got a consulting firm that I work with, and their pay is 105k if you got a bachelor's degree with the the Navy experience they want. So 105k. If you go in with an MBA, you get 115k. 
So that's $10,000 right there. So if you were to go through a $120,000 program, not considering interest, that's a 12-year buyback right there. So you've really got to consider if that's worth it. Makes sense. And well, there's some common reasons that military members want to leave the military and pursue a corporate career. The number one reason is for family. The military lifestyle, depending on your job, is not conducive to being around family all the time. You know, you're away, you're on deployments, you're, you're just gone all the time. If you go through official Navy documents, they will say the number one reason people leave is due to family. Yeah, like I, I see all these viral videos on YouTube where the military members surprise their family and there's like a lot of emotion, right? Because like, like you said, they're gone for like, like how long? Like one to two, two years at a time? It really depends. So the army, it used to be about a year. Navy, it, between six months and 10 months, but you have a lot of like one month, two month long stints going out to sea. And in an environment that we're currently in right now, you always have to be prepared to go. Yes, there are schedules and there's like, okay, I got an idea, probably in about 12 months I'll be deployed. But if something were to happen, your ship could get called out in a moment's notice, worst case scenario. For someone that is wanting to focus more on their family and want to leave the military, what are some careers that they should look at right away? Because you say like people in the military are good with like project coordination management. What other types of roles should they look out for? It really depends based on the person. So, you know, there's consulting, there's sales, there's project and program management, there's more engineering based positions. So before I go into the actual job, what's more important is where they want to live. And for most military members, the answer is going to be if they're married, wherever their spouse's family is from. So that is the first key to the puzzle. Where do they want to live? And then next after that, before I'd even ask them what they want to do, it is what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Because that's going to influence everything. Because the truth of the matter is, let's say somebody goes through and most military members get some form of disability pay. If let's say they end up in the Midwest and they max out disability, technically they might not have to work if they didn't want to. And then all of a sudden, their work would be from doing a, a corporate job to maybe volunteering on the weekends or coaching their kids' teams. So it comes down to what lifestyle do you want to live? So let's say that's not what they want to do. They want to go into the corporate sphere, which is going back to your question. And then from there, it's like, okay, how much money do you need? And that will open up the different opportunities for you. And then usually, you'll know. It's like, okay. You either like sales or you don't. That's a yes or a no. It's binary, one or zero. Move on. Consulting. If you're good at communication or if it's a skill set you want to develop, could be good. Do you want to stay with project program management? If you're not good at it yet, and notice I keep saying the word yet because everything is a skill set, then if you, if you want to do it, maybe you'd be more willing to go into an entry level position. That pays, say, 60K versus a 100K position just because you want that company. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it, it's about like your lifestyle and you want and the values that you want to align with, right? Yeah, so it's the lifestyle you want. And the reason I say that is most people getting out of the military haven't had the time to think about what they actually do want. So if they just focus on the first thing where they want to live, then everything else will start to go in line with each other. 
Makes sense. And going back to what you said about like how you focus on helping military members transition into corporate, is there recruitment agencies that specifically help military members or do you have to really dive in and like research? Yeah. So I work for Lucas Group, which is a corn ferry company and competitors are Bradley Morris, Cameron Brooks, Cohen Partners, Alliance, and, and they all have their pros and cons. Each company does. No one's perfect. So Cameron Brooks, for example, they only work with a few hundred people a year, but they go deep into resumes, interviews, and they have a 100% success rate. With that said, though, they don't work with just anyone. And you have to sign an agreement that you're only going to work with them. Whereas other companies, they won't dive in deeply with resumes and stuff like that because it's a sheer volume perspective. So con, but a pro is that there are people such as yourself who offer those services. All right. And how about interview preparation? I'm assuming the interview process when you're trying to go into the military is a lot different than the corporate world. So what are some common mistakes that a lot of military members are trying to get into corporate do during the interview process? Cockiness. Cockiness and arrogance. When I got out of the military, you know, I just straight number one, number one, number one, number one. Recommendations for early command. That's all my fit reps ever said. Therefore, I believed the press. And when I had interviews with, you know, Fortune 100 companies, looking back, I see now that I came across as a bit on the cocky and arrogant side, which is not okay. Corporations are looking for someone who is teachable, who is hungry, and is willing to learn. So the biggest mistake, and I've had people that have made it to final rounds of interviews, and they have all, every, everyone that failed has, has come down to the fact that they thought higher of their skill sets than they should have. That makes sense. So it wasn't the communication standpoint. It was just their demeanor and attitude in the interview that the hiring manager said, you know what, this person seems to have too much of an ego. We, we want to go with someone that's more teachable, right? Yes, exactly. How, it can't really be, be trained, right? In terms of like losing the ego. So, so is there some exercises you recommend to like make yourself more humble, I guess? I said that I came across as cocky and a bit arrogant in the interviews, but I didn't know that. I thought... I was teachable, hungry, those things that I just described. So how do you teach someone? How do you show somebody something if their eyes aren't opened up to it? And I don't know if you can do that. So I don't know how to answer that question. And I don't want to steer you the wrong way. That makes sense. Yeah, it goes back to like body language, right? Like you, you could say the right things, but if your body language doesn't align with what you're saying, then they, they know that like you're, you're not really being authentic, right? Yeah, it could be. Like, I, I, I don't know the answer. Yeah, that's fair. That, that's the point of the podcast, right? Just to see like what type of advice that you provide and what you can't, right? To go to that, what are some common things that you want people, let's, let's say you're able to successfully get a military member to pivot into a corporate role, whether it's like project management, sales, uh, what have you. What are some things that you want them to prepare for or watch out for, so to speak, so they are able to effectively transition into the corporate sphere? On that, what, what I do, I'm going to answer your question in a roundabout way, is I have a candidate information form where people request to work with me. And part of it is when, when I get questions from them. And when I see trends, I do trend analysis. I do a podcast episode on that. So what I do with people who are working with me in order to scale my time, because I can't scale, I cannot scale conversations like we're doing right now, unless I record it and send it out. So by doing this trend analysis. So what I do with people is if they're married, hey, check out this episode and this episode. There's spouse conversations where we walk through what we wish we had known 
why we made the transition and why you might want to stay in. Let's say somebody wants to go directly to corporate. That's my top downloaded episode. It's like, hey, check this episode out here. Business school. Me personally, I have a different opinion than other people. So let's direct you to the opinion of someone who disagrees. We respectfully disagree with each other, but you need to have the black and the white, the yin and the yang, the, the, the two different perspectives on something so that you can make a decision for yourself. So I have multiple episodes that I direct people towards. And what's coming down the path line is I'm starting to, to automate a bunch of emails. So if they're interested in a specific thing, each day they're going to get a different episode to listen to to build themselves up so that they understand what they personally want themselves without the influence of someone who's going to make a commission if they decide to work with them. Go by the way you said, when you mean stay in, like stay in the military, like don't uh, make a pivot. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Some people should stay in the military. Okay. Let's elaborate on that. So let's say some military members go out, reach out to you, say, Hey, I want to move to corporate. And then you have like an interview discussion and you say, you know what? I think it's best if you stay where you are. What are some factors that make you decide that that's the best move for them? Okay. So backing up, I will never tell someone what that, what I think they should or shouldn't do because there's an iceberg in one conversation. You're you're only getting max 10%. There's 90% below the surface. There's always something else that's going on behind it. What I will do though, is listening to someone in their voice, you can hear where there is doubt. You can hear where there is passion. So it comes down to asking the right questions. And if you hear something, like just digging a little deeper. I, I don't have a script when I talk with people. Like, all right, what's going on? What's your struggle? And they'll tell me, like, I really don't know if I need to stay in. And because of that, I was like, okay, I reached out to one of my buddies who decided to stay in. His family, they loved the military lifestyle. They decided to stay in. So I asked him to come on the podcast. We had a good 40-minute discussion. And I, I posted that and I was like, and for people who are thinking about staying in, I direct them there. It's like, if you relate with this guy, think about staying in. And I need to do an episode with a woman as well, because there, we need good men and women in the military. Absolutely. We can definitely put that in the show notes in terms of like directing people to that episode. But what were some of the, like, if you can provide some cool notes on like, why did he decide that staying in was the right move? At the end of the day, believing in the mission. It used to be um, Global Force for Good. Now it's Forged by the Sea. The truth of the matter is, is if you look at history, a country without a strong military will not exist. If you go through The Art of War by Sun Tzu, he talks about the need for a strong defense. If you look about, at different military activities that are going around the entire world right now, you'll see that it's all based on future economic development of the country so that the citizens will be good within that country. So biggest thing, believing in the mission, which is forged by the sea now, I think, could be wrong. And here's another big thing. You get to make a massive impact in people's lives while in the military. Many men and women who enlist in the military come from less than ideal circumstances. So you have an opportunity to break poor and poverty-ridden mindsets and equip them with the tools needed to break those for lack of a better word, let's call it curses that had been going on in their family for generations. And you can do that in the military. It's quite easy. You're on a deployment. You got nine months with this person. Let's say there's no, no internet for a month. You're in River City. That's what you call it. Guess what? You're just going to be talking. Makes sense. And for you, like, did you, did you join the military right away like when you were 18? I don't think I touched upon that. No, I didn't. It took me 
it took three years of applying for me to go into the Naval Academy. So when I was 20, I went to the Academy. Then when I was just before I turned 24, that's when I got my commission as an officer. So from when I was 24 to 29, I was in the military. So what made you decide to take that route, going to the Naval Academy compared to going to, to going to school and starting your corporate career around the same age that you got into the Navy? I didn't want to take out any student loans. They, they said they'd pay for my college. I said yes. Okay, so that's usually a good incentive for people that don't want to get into high... Because I know like in the US, tuition is extremely high. You're saying that generally military will fund your education? Absolutely. And that, that's one of the huge perks about the military. It's called the GI Bill. So you do, you know, you do your time and the military, here's what's great for enlisted. Not only will they pay for you to go to get your bachelor's degree, but they will pay you while you're in school. It's great. Okay. So for some of my younger listeners that are considering going to the military, what's some advice that you could provide? I would ask them why they're about to do it. Number one. Number two, I would encourage them to think long and hard, but if you want to do it, go for it. Because the benefits are extreme. They're amazing. They're lifelong. And on this side of things, I will be able to proudly say that I gave it my all while I was in. And then if you do decide that you want to go the corporate sector, as long as you advertise yourself well, it'd be relatively easy to get a job. I, I, think, uh, I think that's a good point at the end of what you said, because everybody thinks that they need like, a certain relevant experience to get that role. But like you said, if you advertise yourself well and connect the dots as best as you can, it, it shouldn't be that hard to start a new career path, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, three years ago, brand new February 2019. If I asked you about COVID, what would you say? February 2019? Well, it didn't exist at the time, right? Or it didn't, things didn't get locked down till where I live, like March 2020. So I didn't really know much about COVID at that time. And it's influenced literally everything for the past year and a half, two years. My point is three years from now, we have no idea what's going to happen. Zero idea. And so that's why it's good to develop skill sets that can relate well, no matter what. So public speaking, management. So it's all about transferable skills, like focus on the skills that you can use in multiple roles. So you'll always be marketable, right? Absolutely. That, that will always be in demand. Yeah. A lot of people focus so much on the technical skills like programming, but when it comes to like communicating with people effectively, that is never going to get old. In fact, it's actually more encouraged now because a lot of people now are using the phone to communicate, whether it's text. A lot of people are not having proper conversations and really communicating their thoughts well. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to talk about is like, what are some like learning lessons that you've had in your career that you could provide to someone, whether they're looking to make a career pivot or looking to take a different path in their career to grow their income or have a more fulfilling life? At the end of the day, it comes down to defining for yourself what that means and defining for yourself what you want. So for example, for me, an ideal lifestyle is one where I can walk away and quit at any moment. In order to get there, I have to ensure that my revenue from the different things I do exceeds my expenditures. So in the same logic flow, the same pattern, I would ask somebody, what do you want? What is your ideal lifestyle? And I got this from my friend Vincent Puglisi, who is the author of Total Life Freedom great podcast. But he said, identify your fruit. Those are expenditures. Fruit, food, residence, utility, insurance, transportation. 
And that is your minimum expenditures. It all comes down to, once again, going back to it, identifying the life you want, seeing how much the bare minimum of that would cost, and then asking yourself why you want that life. Always come back down to the why, peel back those onion layers, and then move forward, giving yourself grace because there's probably some more onion layers back there. Behind me, there's a book called Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. And in it, he talks about a conference he does, or maybe it's Awaken the Giant Within. It's one of them. But every single time someone talks about their ideal lifestyle, he's able to whittle it down so it's a fraction of what they think that it would actually cost. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Does that actually answer your question? <laughs> yeah, that does answer, yeah, that answer your question, right? Uh, it, it goes back to like, people want like a certain lifestyle, but they think that they need to do all this stuff. But then Tony Robbins, as you said in the book, breaks it down to the point where it's actually not that hard to achieve as long as you put in the work, right? Yeah, I mean, let's, uh, let's, let's break this down even further. Let's say you want this lifestyle. And now let's make a choice. Do you want that brand new Tundra? 2022, 2023, whatever. Would you rather have that or keep your same vehicle that is only three years old without a car payment or five, 10 years, whatever, whatever it may be? The average car payment here in the US, I think it's close to 600 US dollars a month. So let's say I'm grossly exaggerating. Let's say it's 400 US dollars a month. What would it look like if you had an extra 4,800 because that's what it is, almost $5,000. Oh wait, there's taxes, which is let's say 25%. So let's say an extra $8,000. What would you do with that? Would you work less? Would you spend more time with family? Because the truth is a lot of people, when they're unhappy, they start spending more and they get into this rat race of spending, credit card debt, and it just cycles on and on and on until people don't see a way out. Yeah, it, that's what they call retail therapy. And it, it goes back to what you said, right? Like people tend to work jobs that they don't like because yes, it makes good money, but they're also in that rat race. They're in debt because they don't know how to get out of it. So in a way, they're just working to pay off debt that they can't pay off because they kept spending and spending, right? It's, it's a vicious cycle. And sometimes, like you said, you just have to pull back and be more self-conscious of your spending to pay down that debt so you have more choices in the long term. Is it okay with you if I share with your audience an uh, actionable plan for that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So I believe in action steps. I, I don't believe in just spouting things off. The best thing you can do if you're struggling with spending is turn off your TV. And the reason I say that is because people who are far smarter, far more intelligent than you and I are employed to uh, go into our evolutionary predispositions, the way we are wired to make us have fear of lack, fear that we're missing out, just pain in general. And so by turning off your TV, not watching advertisements, that alone, after a while, will cause your spending to go down. Is that also relatable for social media as well? It is. Because people are like showing off their stuff and all that, right? Anything in regards to, well, actually, let's define a word, public relations. That actually comes from propaganda. The job of any marketing company, just any company in general, is to increase their revenue. And the way you do that through the advertisements is tell someone they're missing out on something or that their life would be better with product X, Y, and Z. So if you don't see that, you make it hard for yourself to see that, which comes from Atomic Habits, a great book, then your likelihood 
uh, falling into that trap and buying more goes down. That makes sense because like TV, you have fear, which is the news because it's they, they might tell a few feel good stories, but most of the news is pretty negative. And then you have the advertisements on top. So it's, it's, it's that vicious cycle of emotions, right? Which increases your spending. Yep, absolutely. I want to end this podcast episode with one last question for you. So my podcast, as you know, is about helping career professionals overcome common career challenges. So what has been one big challenge in your career that you overcame that what steps did you took to overcome it to get to where you are today as a professional actually do you mind if i say one that i'm still working on overcoming yeah sure go ahead yeah the one i am still working on and because this is for military members is i'm working on allowing myself to rest and to not grind all the time for me the military just all my 20s was in the swo navy surface warfare officer navy work, work, work all the time. And when you're done working, work some more. And so my biggest struggle right now, which I'm working on overcoming is shutting the computer down, being done with work and moving forward to honestly, this amazing life that, that I'm creating right now. Yeah. Like doing back to what you said about like work, 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 right? So military members tend to be good entrepreneurs as well. Cause like entrepreneurs, they also work a lot, right? Yep. Again, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak to us about your transition from the military and into corporate, well, entrepreneurship and then into corporate. So how can people contact you if they're in a similar situation to get some advice from you and help steer their career in the right direction? So first, I, full disclosure, whoever I work with, I get a really nice paycheck from it and I don't want people to feel pressured. And I don't want your audience feeling pressured at all by talking with me, knowing like, okay, if I place, this guy gets a fat paycheck, whatever. So the best thing you can do is number one, if you're military, go to my podcast, military to corporate survival guide.com, military to corporate survival guide. If you like me, reach out. If you don't like me, don't reach out. Simple as that. However, the information in there will help you with your transition. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Cause I'm not for everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we're both content creators, right? You have your podcast, I have my podcast and it's about like building your awareness. So then people who like you will reach out because they know about you and people who don't because they don't like your content, then that's fine too, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Again, I really appreciate your time at JD and enjoy the rest of your week. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you again to JD for coming on my podcast and sharing his story on how he was able to successfully transition from the military to corporate life and the learning lessons that he gathered along the way. Although the main theme of this episode is transitioning from military to corporate, there are a lot of valuable lessons that you can implement in your life, especially if you are trying to pivot from one role to the next or from one industry to another. If you want to hear my own thoughts and insights based on the main topics discussed in this episode, then make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you are currently a professional that's looking to take their career to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. Inside this group, I post content to help you advance in your career, whether it be job search tips or career advice. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. This is Chan with the Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.